Welcome to Mondays with Matt, with Matt Starkey. Start each week fresh with sound financial advice. Grab your coffee and maybe a pen. It's time to kick off your week with Matt. Well, hello and welcome to Mondays with Matt. I'm Mark Haywood alongside Matt Starkey. He is an investment advisor representative and the president and owner of Great Lakes Retirement Solutions, serving you in Saginaw. You can find him online at greatlakesretirementsolutions.com. That's greatlakesretirementsolutions.com. Or you can call 989-401-2949. That's 989-401-2949. Matt, hello and welcome back into the podcast. How are you doing? Good morning, Mark. I am doing great. How are you this fine day? Always a pleasure to be with you, Matt. Always exciting to be on the podcast with you. We've got a lot of great content today, so I'm just going to dive right in, and we're going to kick it off with a bit of news. Extra, extra, read all about it. All right, Matt, I love surfing the web, seeing what news headlines are out there and seeing whether they might apply to us, whether they apply to our finances and whatnot. So this one's kind of interesting and kind of depressing. Anytime we have a natural disaster, scammers pop up everywhere trying to take advantage of the situation. And the recent aftermath of 2018's hurricanes and fire, that was no different in those situations. And so if you look out in California, if you look in the East Coast with the hurricanes, you saw all these people popping out of the woodworks trying to take advantage of folks. It's pretty sad. What would you say, though, are some common financial scams, maybe not related to those natural disasters, but that you want people to be aware of in their financial life? Because I know that they certainly exist in the financial realm of things. Well, yes, Mark, they certainly do. Yeah, and there's always people that are willing to take advantage of others. And as sad as that is, we have to be on guard. I tell women when they go to the supermarket, you know, if I see somebody shopping, I they say, ma'am, please don't leave your purse right there on top of the cart. Put it down <laughs> in the cart. Because there are people that walk around and looking for somebody to take advantage of. Anytime that you want to give, let's say there was a natural disaster or there's a charity, don't wait for these people to call you on the phone and ask you for donations. Um, I always say select a charitable organization to give to. And one way to avoid being scammed is you decide how much in advance you're going to give for the year and decide what charities that you want to give to. A lot of times people don't know and you get an email request or you get phone calls auto dialed on the telephone even down to the local police. I know there's a lot of good charities out there and the way that they raise funds sometimes isn't our favorite, but select those in advance and decide right up front who you're going to be given to. Now, when it comes to financial scams, we see the same thing. Sometimes you get a notification in the mail and more recently we're seeing things from letters from the IRS you got to be always wise and always thinking, is this legitimate? If I'm getting a notification saying I've got past due taxes, a lot of my clients work with a CPA. And if you're not working with a CPA, hey, this might be a good chance for you to do that. Even every couple of years, I recommend, hey, every three or four years, even if you like to do your own taxes, have somebody review those just in case of a mistake. Because a lot of people mistakenly get these notifications from the IRS, or maybe it's a phone call auto-dialed more recently, and they're giving personal information over the phone. The IRS doesn't work that way. And if um, they do work through the mail, and more recently, there was a scam that was identified 
by the FBI where the IRS, it appeared the IRS was sending out letters telling people they, they owed money. So you got to be very careful, but there's also a process to call, call direct. Don't always just call the 800 number on the letter. And if you ever have a question, certainly give us a call. We will be more than happy to help protect you and your money when it comes to, uh, finances or scams. So the number one way is don't click on the email. Don't answer the email. If you get a letter, it should be certified from the IRS if you really truly have an issue. And if you ever have a question, give us a call. Give your financial advisor a call and run that by somebody because before you mail a check or a direct deposit, you can really get taken for thousands of dollars in a heartbeat. And the sad thing is, especially as we age, I think, Mark, that People just don't know. And so when they don't know, frequently, they just go with what they're being told. Do you see a lot of that happening? Or are you hearing about a lot of that financial scam also taking place? I do. And I think one of the biggest ways to protect yourself is honestly, to, if you work with an advisor who you trust, then you should be able to run all of these decisions through your advisor and they can help you to think through, oh, you want to donate to this organization? Let's help you figure out how to do that in a way that is safe and legitimate. Make sure you're donating to legitimate organizations, but they can help you to kind of vet these different folks who are out there trying to get your money. And I don't necessarily mean that in a bad way. I mean, of course, <laughs> honest organizations, yeah. but they can kind of help you to thwart some of the would-be scammers out there. Yeah. And one of the other things that you know you hear about these organizations, if you'd like to give it a Salvation Army, or um, you know your local fraternal order of police, do it locally. I get calls from people out of state that ask you to give. Well, little do people know that those organizations take a huge chunk of the donation in an effort to raise the funds. So I say, no, thank you. I contribute to my local police. And in essence, I do. I pay my taxes. But if I want to do something special for the local police in my community, then I can physically go down to the police station and I can take, <laughs> not to sound cliche, but I take the donuts down there myself <laughs> or do something <laughs> for their families. So just be aware that when you get called on the phone from people that are raising funds for the police or for the firefighters or, or the local agencies, you're in charge of your money. And I always tell people, don't be afraid to say no. And if you feel bad, then go down and take care of it on your own. But I'm very leery about giving my any information out over the phone. Wise advice, Matt, indeed. Again, work with your advisor. I mean, run those decisions through your financial advisor. They can kind of help you to vet the different causes that are out there, determine which ones are legitimate and also which ones are meaningful to you. I mean, you really aren't able, most of us, I should say, aren't able to give to everyone. And so you can kind of talk with your advisor and determine what's most important to you and what do you want to support. Well, that's certainly an interesting headline, Matt. Now let's move on to the mailbag. It's time for the mailbag. We want to hear from you. Well, we do love to take your questions, questions from folks out in the surrounding areas. As always, if you have a question, you can submit it on the website. We gave it out earlier, so you can scroll back through. I'll just give it out here again real quick. It's GreatLakesRetirementSolutions.com. That's GreatLakesRetirementSolutions.com. Submit your questions, and hey, you too could be on the Mondays with Matt podcast. This question comes to us from Alan. 
Alan is in, let's see, where is Alan? He's in Midland. Alan writes in from Midland, and he says, I'm hesitant to pay off my house because I don't have many other tax deductions at this point, but I have $100,000 in the bank, and I only owe $25,000 on the house, so it's really tempting just to pay it off. What are your thoughts? This is an interesting question, Alan, and I'm glad you asked it because I do get this question from several people over the years. And um, so, yeah, you've got 25000 you owe on your house, and I always ask people to consider the rate. Now, the 100000 he said he had 100000 in the bank, right, Mark? Yeah, let me, in the yeah bank. I can go through the details real quick. So $100,000 in the bank, he owes $25,000 on the house. And so I guess he's saying, I'm close. Should I just go ahead and knock it right out? Yes. Well, I think there's a couple of things that information that we don't really have. Like what rate is the interest on your mortgage? And then what's the intent with 100000 I mean, this, if this is extra money and you just, you're sitting on it in the bank, I assume it is extra. A lot of times you're not getting a lot of interest on that money just sitting there in the bank. So it makes sense frequently to pay off a mortgage, especially if you're if you can go and invest that $100,000 elsewhere and get, you know, a decent return on that money over and above what you're paying for your mortgage, let's assume that your mortgage rate is around 4%, for example, on that 25,000. If I had something that I know I can go and get 8%, then it might make sense, but if your money's sitting in the bank, I think of it like this. Would I and Mark maybe you can answer this question, would you borrow $25,000 against your house to put it in the bank and let it sit there? Yeah, that would be a risky decision, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. So most people don't wouldn't borrow 25000 against their house just to put the money in the bank. And so you need to think of money in the bank as the same way. If you can pay off that debt, get rid of the payment, forget the tax deduction, because that's not the right... You're not asking the right question there. And the right question would be paying off that 25000 number one, is going to give you the freedom, peace of mind of not having a mortgage any longer. And if you've got a hundred grand in the bank, chances are financially you're doing well, you're making the right decisions and you've accumulated a hundred grand. So yeah, I would definitely pay off that mortgage, then start making those monthly payments that you were paying on the mortgage. If you want to refund that hundred thousand, make those payments back into the bank account monthly, what you would have paid for your mortgage. Say goodbye to the tax deduction and just relax and be confident in the fact that you now have a paid off house and you don't have to worry about what if. Make sense? Makes perfect sense. Thanks, Alan, for writing in. Of course, if you have more specific questions, if you really want to get into the nitty gritty of your situation, you can come in for a visit with Matt and his team. We'll give the number out at the end of the podcast. We gave it out at the beginning. Real quick, it's 989-401-2949. That's 989-401-2949. That is Matt's local office number right there in Saginaw. So just reach out, come in, come in for a visit and get into the nitty gritty of your situation. All right, Matt, let's kind of move on to the meat and potatoes of the show, our main topic here today. And we talked about scams. We're going to kind of switch gears a little bit, but you'll see how it's related. And let's talk about how you should be able to spot a bad financial advisor. Now, that's not to say all advisors are going to scam you. That's not what we're saying. There's a lot of advisors out there who may not be the best fit for you that are well qualified. It just might be that they're not a good fit for you. And then, of course, there are some that are downright bad that happens. And then there's some really good ones, which we're hopefully going to show you. So we just kind of want to talk through how you can spot the good ones and the bad ones, how you can tell them apart. Um, 
Bad sign number one, if your advisor has a really long resume, that might not actually be a good thing. Why is that? Yeah, <laughs> that's a good question. A long resume for an advisor, that tells us a couple of things, maybe. If an advisor has bounced around between different brokers or a lot of different jobs, that might be a sign, you know, something that personally they're not very stable or maybe they need change to feel fulfilled. And that's not necessarily the person you want to work with for a long-term relationship. If they've bounced around quite a bit in the past or they have a long resume and they've of a lot of changes, beware. That probably indicates something that they're not satisfied very easily or they think this is going to be the next thing. I always caution people to beware of that person that's new in the business. In fact, when I was getting licensed, Mark, they told us that hey, give it a year, give it a year to two to find out if you're going to even stay in this industry because it's hard to build the trust with people and get them to allow you to make these financial decisions with them or for them. And so um, a long resume might indicate a little bit less stability on their part. So just beware of that if they change jobs a lot or change brokers or they might have a subordination problem. <laughs> Yeah, certainly. Now, if an advisor has a one-size-fits-all approach to all of their clients, maybe one strategy to implement for everybody, that might not be a good thing. Yes, a one-size-fits-all approach for an advisor may not be the best thing for you as a client of that advisor. It might work well for their business model, but if I'm handling finances for someone, I look at things more of a, as a customized approach to their situation. Everyone's in a different financial situation when they walk through that door with me. It'd be nice if they were all had the perfect scenario, but nobody does. And the situations they deal with are completely different. Some people are in that building phase. Some people are sandwiched between children and parents. And, and then we have people that are in that retirement mode. And then we have health issues. You know, Maybe somebody's losing bits and pieces of their memory or the, the numbers are confusing and they need help and assistance with things. So you can see there's a lot of different scenarios and a one size approach to fit up. everyone just doesn't work well in our industry. I've found that you really have to customize every situation. The advisor who tries to take a one size fits all probably doesn't necessarily have your best interest at heart. Just be aware of that. And, and maybe, maybe they do, but if the only tool that you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. So <laughs> just be aware of that. All right, continuing down our list here, Matt, of ways that you can spot a bad advisor. If your advisor does very little information gathering, that could be a bad sign. Yeah, certainly. For me, gathering the information is very critical. It's one of the most important things that we do because if you don't gather enough information, all of a sudden that affects everything else, whether that's developing a plan right down to the recommendations, Mark. If I didn't find out, for example, that you're married and I make a recommendation for the type of account that you need to own, how silly of me. Or if I didn't know that you have a special needs child and you have this trust that needs to be funded in the event something happens to you and we don't make provision for that special needs child, that's really not doing what's in your best interest. So the information gathering process, as painful as it can be sometimes, needs to happen. If you're working with an advisor or even looking at a, a firm and they're not wanting to explore the nooks and crannies with you and ask you for further information, buyer beware because the recommendation is being made with limited information and that's not a good thing. 
You need your advisor to be diligent in collecting the, all the information. And if you feel like they're not asking you enough questions, chances are you're being sold a product or something, and it's not necessarily geared towards customization, towards your solution. And you could be making a huge mistake. It could cost you money if you buy something without all the information up front and ahead of time. So as painful as it could be during the collection process, it's very, very important so that you get good advice. And finally, Matt, if your advisor isn't communicating with you, that's definitely a red flag. Definitely can be a red flag. You know, there's things that happen in life and life happens for advisors too. I mean, we have families, we have training sometimes that I'm out of town here or there, but I have a communication practice set up. And really, if the only time your advisor is calling you is about your money, that might be an issue too. They may have ill intentions, but communication is super important. And it's hard to know. I mean, as an advisor, how often do my clients want to hear from me? Do I do a personal phone call? Are they good with if they get an email weekly or monthly, quarterly? But we we tend to, I think over communication is better than not enough. And so what we do is we just, we do quarterly newsletters. We send out emails. We do coaching workshops so clients can come and hear from us. So if you're not hearing from your advisor, chances are, they're not thinking about you, you know, kind of out of sight, out of mind. So what we like to do is we like to make those touches with our clients. And then we also have events that clients can come to so they can talk to us personally. And then we have our review meetings personally with those clients. So if you're not getting the communication from your advisor, it can be a bad sign. They may not be on top of their game. They may let be life getting in the way of their business with you. Be understanding but also little to no communication means you're probably not being thought about too much. Yes, yeah, so certainly work with an advisor who will connect with you frequently, will make frequent contact with you and communicate back and forth on a regular basis. Work with someone who will represent your best interest. Don't look for that one-size-fits-all approach to retirement planning. Instead, look for a comprehensive plan, a holistic plan that will help you accomplish both your financial goals in retirement and your life goals. Of course, there are things that you want to accomplish in retirement. We always encourage our listeners to retire with purpose. We want you to be able to do that. So get a plan in place that will help you to do just that. Reach out to the team at Great Lakes Retirement Solutions. You can get a complimentary review of your situation and sit down with Matt Starkey, again, investment advisor representative and president and owner of Great Lakes Retirement Solutions. You can reach out to his team, come in for a visit with Matt. All you got to do is call 989-401-2949. That's 989-401-2949. Matt, as always, a pleasure being with you on the podcast. Thank you, Mark. A pleasure being with you. And we're coming up on the new year. So I just want to wish everyone a happy 2019. And if you got that goal setting out there, still waiting to be achieved, come talk to us and we'll help you gear up for a great 2019. Yes, indeed. We are on the precipice of a new year at the time of this recording. So happy New Year's to everyone. Merry Christmas, indeed. Uh, It might be after Christmas by the time you're listening to this, but Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. We'll see you in 2019 for more of Mondays with Matt. Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.